0: With a comforting reminder about God's use of governments, here's Pastor Ed Taylor.
1: God's working all things together for the good. That means God uses godly governments and God uses ungodly governments. God uses those that have a relationship with him and God uses those that rebel against him in positions of authority. I'm reminded of Egypt. God used Egypt, didn't he? I'm reminded of Babylon. God even used an edict from Rome to get married to the right place where our Savior would be born according to prophecy.
0: This is a mess grace. This is a failing love. That you would take my place. Somebody has sarcastically said, we have the best government that money can buy. Well, there's some truth to that, isn't there? But it's not very reassuring to the average citizen. Still, assurance about government can be found and instruction too. And today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor, we'll dig into that as we turn to Romans chapter 13. In light of all that's going on in our world right now, this passage sure has a lot to say to us. Here now to tell us about it, beginning with some review, is Pastor Ed.
1: We are learning the will of God. Really, it began in chapter 12 where Paul is unveiling for us the will of God. We went through all the first 11 chapters together, doctrine, the foundation of our faith. Our faith in Jesus Christ is based on doctrine. Don't allow the word doctrine to scare you. It's not a scary word. It simply means teaching. And so our relationship with Jesus Christ is based on sound doctrine or sound teaching. And that's what Paul did in the first 11 chapters, teaching us Sound doctrine. Then he turns a corner, chapter 12, does he not? And he says, this is the will of God for your life. Give yourself to him. He says, therefore now, I beg you by the mercies of God, I beg you to surrender yourself to God, to submit yourself, that you present yourself to God. Don't be conformed to this world. Use your spiritual gifts. And then we spent some time on love your enemies. Easier said than done. But love your enemies. Be a channel of God's love. Have your relationship right with God first and then flow in loving others. Not allowing men and women to interrupt that flow. We get our orders from God, not from man. And as we get our orders from heaven, then we begin to live our life in a very balanced way toward the Lord. By the time we come to chapter 13, now Paul wants to talk to us and teach us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit our responsibility as citizens of this earth and citizens of heaven. We are dual citizens, Christians. We are citizens on the earth, which is a real citizenship, and we also are citizens of the kingdom of God, which is just as real. We have a practical citizenship, we have a spiritual citizenship, and they're both important, just like we pray. Hey, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. To have that spiritual kingdom ruling your life. You and I, we serve a real Lord, and he's the Lord of lords. And we are submitted to a real king, and he's the king of kings. And out of that responsibility then, now a good Christian is a good citizen. That's God's desire. A good Christian translates into being a good citizen. Citizen. And God has direction for us in our relationship with government, taxes, customs, our relationship toward the government in submission. And I believe God would have us to be involved. In the political process, we're coming up on a very important election, and it's very important for us to be involved with biblical values expressed in our voting, that we are praying to God and receiving orders from him, and that when we cast our vote, God is ordaining through us his desire for our country. It's why it's important to pray. You're going to have that opportunity, I believe God would have us to be as active and as involved in the political process as possible, and yet... Don't let it trip you up. Don't let it distract you. Don't get caught up. I'm telling you, Tuesday's going to come and go. And leaders of the world are going to come and go. But Jesus alone is still the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And our focus needs to be on him. It needs to be clearly on him. Be involved. Be led by the Spirit. But don't be sidetracked. We're to submit to the governing authorities, the Bible says. We learned that last time we were together. We go, wait a minute, Ed. Are we supposed to support the government and be subject to the government when they tell us to do something that's sinful? No. Well, what if they tell us to do something that's contrary to the will of God? Do we submit to them then? No. Well, what if they do something we don't like? Are we to submit to them then? Yes. Of course. Remember the line that was drawn is that when a, when a government mandates something upon you that would be disobedient to God, we use the words of the early church leaders right there in the book of Acts, we ought to obey God rather than man. However, I think it's easily a trap that people fall into that they start making their mind up in opinions and all sorts of ideas where I'm not going to obey if I don't like something. And the Bible says to obey whether you like it or not. And the line that's drawn is not whether you and I like it. The line that's drawn is, is it contrary to the will of God? And is it mandating a behavior that would cause me to sin against God? God desires, God deserves, and God gets our supreme obedience. Now, let's pick up in verse 3. That's kind of a summary of where we were. Let's pick up in verse 3 now as we continue Romans 13. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. And so we don't need to be afraid of the government and those in leadership. We don't need to be afraid of police officers, law enforcement officers, when we're doing good. And let me just say, Christians, it's something we shouldn't need to be reminded on, but the Bible is reminding us, do good. You want all of the choices in life? Do good. Don't do evil. When you're doing good, you don't need to really worry about law enforcement officers. Think about it this way, when you're following, we'll just bring it home to something that's pretty much hits all of us. When you're following the speed limit, are you too concerned about all of the officers or the red lights flashing behind you? Not really, I mean, you might see some red lights and you might quickly glance at the speedometer just to make sure, I'm cool. But then they just pass you up and you don't need to be worried. You might even just pray for them. I hope, you know, whatever they're going on, uh, I hope it's, they're safe. I hope they keep them safe. And you don't need to be worried about it unless you're speeding. And you're in a hurry. And you know you're in a hurry. And you're tooting along. Looking around everywhere. looking. You should be driving, but you're looking for everyone to find out where the officers are, where's the radar. where. The... And then when the lights show up, you're busted, right? Because then when you're breaking the law, the rulers become a terror to you. You're worried about them. When you're obeying the law and you're doing good, you don't need to worry about it. And you go, wait a minute, Ed, that's not really life experience because I have a testimony in my life where I've done good and I've still gotten the raw end of the deal. I've done good and I was actually following the speed limit, but the guy wrote me a ticket anyway, said I was speeding when I really wasn't, or you know, I did the right thing at work and I stood up and I said the right thing and you know what they did to me? They fired me. So I don't understand what this verse is all about because I've done the right thing and I've done the good thing and and those that are in authority, well, I got the raw end of the deal. Been treated very badly. Do you know that that's a similar testimony of believers throughout the years? Did you know that? That there are believers even right now around the world that are suffering for doing good. There are believers around the world going through it for righteousness sake. There are people even among us that have lost their jobs because they did the right thing. Now, here's the danger, church. It's a danger for all of us. That when we come to making a decision of doing good or not doing good, we need to be careful that our motives are only the Lord. That we're doing unto the Lord. We're going to do good no matter what the consequence is. No matter what comes my way, I'm going to make the right decision. That's the proper way to make our decisions. However, you got to be careful because you might get the wrong end of the deal and you start saying, well, I'll make good decisions if it benefits me. I'll start, you know, I know the situation's going on in the office. I know i got to speak to my supervisor. I know I've got to talk to my boss. But I don't know, because if I talk to my boss, they might not like me anymore. He might blame me. And, you know, I don't even want to get involved in it. And now you go, wait a minute, wasn't the Lord telling you to do that? Wasn't he put on your heart, And you you seeing it? Standing up for righteousness. When you do good, you don't need to worry about those in authority or even what might happen to you. Because Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, right? Blessed are those who revile and persecute you for my sake. Blessed are you. Flip over to 1 Peter chapter 4. It's a hard thing to think of being blessed for doing what's right by getting the raw end of the deal. But Jesus says you are a citizen of a different kingdom and you may get the raw end of the deal. You may be on the other end of a law enforcement officer that has gone the opposite way and they're not really enforcing. You know, listen, not every police officer is a godly man. But many are. But either way, they're there by God. We're to submit to them. That's not our business. Our business isn't the person and who they are and what they're doing and whether I'm getting the wrong end of the deal. You know what our business is? It's to love them unto Jesus. To pray for them. Let's just say something happens in the realm of law enforcement that you're like, man, I'm getting the wrong end of the deal. What's your responsibility? You love that person. You minister to them. You submit to them and you entrust your soul to God. But you know, those are few and far between. We're so blessed to have so many wonderful law enforcement officers taking care of business, overseeing us, watching us. You'll even hear sirens from time to time while we have a service, we need to pray for what's going on in life and in our city because God's ordained them. You know, in our society, there's, as we saw last time we were together, there's just this lack of respect for those in authority and for us as Christians, we need to be the most respectful of those in authority. And even if we suffer for doing good, we need to commit ourselves to the Lord. Notice 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 14. It says, if you're reproached, another word for that is insulted or reviled or taken advantage of. That's the idea. If you're reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. That's a hard one to swallow, isn't it? Like, where did Peter learn this? Where do you think he learned this from, church? Jesus. Jesus taught him this. Jesus taught him verbally, and now through his life, he's learning practically, just like we do. We get taught by the Spirit of God personally right now. We're receiving new teaching, and then in our lives, we're going to learn it living out. He says, hey, I know what Jesus said. I believe it. I've lived it out. That's my life. If you're reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he's blasphemed, but on your part, he's glorified. But, verse 15, listen. Let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer. And right there, you're like, oh, it's not me, not me, not me. Like, it's pretty safe, right? I'm not a murderer, praise God, I'm not a thief. I don't consider myself an evildoer. Then the next one is, or as a busybody. Oh, might hit a few more people, huh? Don't be known. Don't suffer as a gossiper or a slanderer or someone that's always involved in other people's business and your house is upside down. That's a busybody. Always involved in other people's stuff. Always talking about people. Always praying for other people. But you're a mess. Spend that time on your family. In your life. Don't suffer as a busybody. It happens far too much. He says, a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. But let him glorify God in this matter. For the time... listen. The time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? I know, sometimes we suffer for doing right. Get used to it as a Christian. It's just the way it is. You know, unbelievers, they suffer for doing good too. But we suffer for doing good. It's just the way it is. Don't let that change the way you make decisions. Keep, And this is especially important for you young people. Those young people, I know we have kiddos in elementary school we had junior high we got school. listen this is the time to make up your mind to do what's right all the time to set your face in doing what's right listen the bible says this evil company corrupts good habits that means you got to choose your friends wisely young people and not so young people you got to be careful You can have real good habits. You can be built up in the Lord. And then you surround yourself with evildoers, with gossipers, with thieves. And the Bible speaks in the Proverbs that their feet run to do evil. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to say, come on. Come on, it's no big deal. Come on, we get away with it. It's no big deal. And now you've got this battle. You've got loving parents. You have people pouring into you spiritually. Come on, live for the Lord. And then you hang out with these people that say, don't live for God. They mock your Jesus. Listen, make a decision to follow the Lord. Judgment begins in your life. You're responsible for your life, no matter what your age is. Evil company corrupts good habits. It's true for you, it's true for me. And we want to be careful. And bad things are going to happen. You're right, even though you make the right decision, but make the right decision anyway. When you do good, don't worry about the authorities. You don't have to worry. You don't have to be looking over your shoulder. You know, when you're not doing good, I know that some of you, before you got saved, you were a game player, you know? You're always manipulating and doing this over here, a little lie over there, got to get some stuff over here. And you're always worried, what did I say? Did I say that? I wonder if I told them. What lie did I say? I'm not sure. And you're all messed up trying to figure out and keep straight all of your games that you're playing with people and all the lies that you're sharing. But when you do good, you can spend all that time worshiping the Lord, man. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Because you know, the best thing to do is just tell the truth. You know why? Every time you tell the truth, you're going to say the same thing. You don't even have to worry about it. (laughs) Like, what is it? What what, what is the situation? Well, this is the truth. And every time you say it, you're going to say the same thing because it's the truth. It's a great way to live our lives. Now, back in Romans 13, in verse 4, this is great. Remember, government is established to restrain evil And to reward good. And those that God has put in authority, loud into authority, he uses to bear the sword, to avenge, to protect, to care, to keep things in order. If you do evil, then you're to be afraid of them. That person in authority is God's minister. Verse 4. For he is God's minister to you for good. That word minister, yes, is the same word that's used in other places. For those that serve in the church, it's the same word used in Hebrews to describe angels. It's the word that means servant. Sometimes we look at the word minister and go, pastor. That's not how that word is used throughout the scriptures. We've made it that way. And certainly a pastor should be a minister, should be a servant. But we're all ministers of the gospel. We're all servants. And so notice those that are in authority are God's servants for good. But If you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. It's an interesting thought, isn't it? Those in governmental authority, ministers of the gospel, even if they're not saved, God's using them as ministers of God. Remember, God's working all things together for the good. You know what that means? That means God uses godly governments and God uses ungodly governments. God uses those that have a relationship with him and God uses those that rebel against him in positions of authority. I'm reminded of Egypt. God used Egypt, didn't he? I'm reminded of Babylon. I'm reminded of Assyria. I'm reminded of the Medo-Persians. God even used an edict from Rome to get Jesus to the right place, to get Mary to the right place where our Savior would be born according to prophecy. He used the government to fulfill prophecy. He used the government to get Paul to Jerusalem. God can use good governments. And when there are good godly governments, the people rejoice. And when there are ungodly governments, the people groan. And it's true, both sides, God will use them all. God's will will not be thwarted due to ungodliness in government. God has used ungodly leaders and godly leaders throughout history. But let's bring this home a little bit closer. Let's go back to that illustration of police officers in our life. That is a symbol of authority that's very common to all of us. And what a blessing to know. What a blessing to know that the police officers in our own church, among us, are ministers of God in our city, caring and protecting. Be sure to thank God for them. Be sure in your prayers to pray for them. I mean, even if you meet one with flashing red lights behind you, pull over, and take it. Sign it. Don't put up a fight. Most likely, you deserved it. You say, we so quickly get in the flesh. None of us want a ticket. I know. But the answer is not to get upset at the officer. The answer is to do the speed limit, like, you know, follow the law. And so when you think this through, I mean, think of it this way. Let's pull back a little bit. What if we didn't have traffic laws? and officers enforcing them. What would life be like then? (laughs) It would be crazy. I mean, let's just say, in the context of our service right now, that all of a sudden, just crazy, all the red lights, everything, all the laws went away, and there's not an officer on the street. You know what? We probably wouldn't make it home, man. Like, something would happen. And so when you think of, when you think of officers, even if you happen to meet one pulled over on the side of the road... You can use that as an opportunity. Remember, our responsibility here on the earth is evangelism, nothing else. It's to see people get saved and brought into a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's to use the life that we have, our redeemed life, to pour into an unredeemed life that prayerfully they'll get redeemed, man. They'll get saved. And so, say you are pulled over, you can say, hey, you know, thank you for pulling me over. Did you know you're a minister of God? And just take out your Bible. Open to Romans 13. I have a little Bible study right there. It says you're a minister of God. You're, thank you for protecting. Thank you for allowing God to use you to putting your life on the line so my kids can play safely. I can drive safely. Thank you. Changes your whole perspective. The Bible says they're ministers of God. We need to pray for them. We need to pray and thank God for them. Thanking them because, you know, they're protecting us. I, I know I know there are times where it's very easy to say, well, you know, I got a, I got a bad, a raw deal here. I, you know, that, that's so few and far between. Let God heal your heart over that. Not to change your heart toward not being submissive anymore. Not to change your heart for not being subjected to the authority. Not changing your heart where you're resistant. Things happen. Sometimes bad things happen to Christians doing the right thing. But don't let that harden your heart toward those in authority. Thank God for them because God uses them. Now, before we leave verse 4, I want you to see something. We're not going to go into it in depth because we have in other places, but in verse 4 it says, right there in the middle, for he does not bear the sword in vain. That's a technical phrase there, that bearing the sword in vain. It's a technical phrase that refers to capital punishment. And the Bible clearly teaches that God himself instituted capital punishment and gave that authority to the government authorities. So that when a capital crime is committed, God's plan is for capital offenses to be punished in a capital way. Capital punishment, bear the sword. You go, oh, that's just an Old Testament law. No, it's not at all. As a matter of fact, Jesus himself. You can jot this down in Matthew's gospel. Jesus himself in Matthew, Matthew 26. Flip over there. I want you to see this. This isn't just an Old Testament, although there is a theme throughout the scriptures Jesus himself spoke on capital punishment. And you'll see it. It's an amazing thing. Jesus himself instructed us on capital punishment. This is Matthew 26, beginning in verse 47. Remember, this is the time right where Jesus is there. He's being betrayed by Judas. Judas comes up, gives him a kiss. And then verse 51... Pick up with me there. I said 47, let's go to 51. And suddenly, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand, drew his sword, struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Now, who is this guy? Peter. Peter was a much better fisherman than he was a swordsman, man. Because I don't think he was going for the ear, do you? I think he was going to cut that guy's head off and bam, boom, I got his ear, got his ear. Got you, Jesus, got his ear. But then listen. Listen. Jesus, his answer is very instructive. Put your sword in its place. For all who take the sword will perish by the sword. You know what Jesus is saying? He's saying, you know what, Peter? You almost did something that was, that was going to get you killed. You know, Peter, he's going to die in just a few years from this. He's going to be crucified upside down for his faith in Jesus Christ. But he's learning a very important lesson. That, Peter, you're gonna, you almost committed a capital offense here, buddy. You pulled your sword out and you almost cut that guy's head off. You know, and it's probably—I don't know—if Jesus is, it must have been a trip for him to pick, go bend over, pick up the ear, right, and put it back on because he healed him. I mean, oh, that would have been amazing. And maybe he's doing healing while he's talking at the same time, you know, giving him instruction. And and in that, Jesus is saying, "Listen, Peter, you almost committed a capital offense. And if you commit a capital offense, you know what you can expect—you can
0: expect capital punishment." Today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor has been in the Book of Romans. We're going through the epistle from start to finish. To hear today's message again, go to AboundingGraceRadio.com. And we have a couple of apps we'd like to recommend that are free and available on all platforms. This is another way to listen to Pastor Ed's teachings, including this present series. Search for Calvary Aurora and download our church app and the Grace FM Colorado app as well. At Abounding Grace, we're committed to delivering God's Word to people all across the world, but we can't do it alone. We're very thankful for the listeners that come alongside us with financial and or prayerful support. Your gift, whatever the size, would be greatly appreciated and put to good use. And if you'd like to help us reach people with the love and truth of Christ, please visit AboundingGraceRadio.com or call 877-30-GRACE. And as you give $25 or more today, request a copy of the book Love, The More Excellent Way, authored by Pastor Chuck Smith. Ask 10 people on the street what love is, and you might get 10 different answers. So what is love? See how God answers that question in this wonderful book enjoyed by many. Again, call 877-30-GRACE, and we can take your resource request. We'll have another study in Romans for you tomorrow on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Blessings to you. and Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.